Hello, welcome to the Goals Love Podcast. Open your Bibles with us to John 15 as Brother Don leads us in today's lesson. So Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman, and we're considering these things. We're going to be looking at this, as I've thought about this, this is really another way of saying, if any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And so our perspective on that is, Jesus is the true vine. We uh, saw this passage, I'm the vine and you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you, cannot, you can do nothing. And we saw in another larger passage, which we'll look at again today, that uh, we've been called in order to bear fruit. And so this is not incidental in what we're considering The word abide appeared there, and we're going to focus on that, or really, we're going to focus on the Greek word behind that. Now, here we're looking at a passage in the Psalms, which is using Hebrew, but we do see in this, it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And we made the comment about the fact that this is a secret place. It's a place of intimacy. It's a place in which we can dwell. Uh, Just a side note on this, the Hebrew word, while it means a lot of the things that the Greek word means, it also, I found it interesting, can mean something along the lines of grumbling and complaining. Um, And so in thinking about that, we're not talking about grumbling and complaining. As I think about how does that relate, I can think about how you can be in the midst of a situation and yet where your heart is is actually opposed to the place that you're in. So I just mentioned that as an aside. I haven't studied that out by any means, but it was interesting to note. So we looked at these two passages last time, and in particular we were focused on kind of the negative that Jesus brings out in John 15, that it's possible not to abide, and what that can look like and what God has to say about those things in Hebrews, we're not going to go back over that today, but I would encourage you to consider some of those things. So here's where we are. We're going to be paying particular attention to this Greek word, meno, which is the word behind abide. And we're going to be looking at this with the desire that as we deepen our understanding of the implications of this word, it will draw us more into what we've actually been called into, how wonderful this this is. And so we see this word means, and I'll just read it here, to stay in a given place or state or relation or expectancy can mean variously to abide, to continue, to dwell, endure, to be present, to remain, to stand, and to tarry. Or to tarry for. And so in remaining, we can talk about it in reference to remaining in a place, to sojourn or tarry there, not to depart, so to continue and be present, to be present, to be held, kept continually, and with respect to time, to continue to be, not to perish, to last, to endure, 
and concerning persons. It could be to survive and live. And in reference to a state or condition, to remain as one, not to become another or different, so not to change your state, and then to wait for or await someone. These are the uh, verses that I found that use this Greek word. Um, and I, we're going to look at some of these, but I'll just again go through it. Is, this word is translated as continue, dwell, endure, remain, stand, tarry, and then abide. And you see that by far the largest uh, number of in, uh, translation or verses that translate this, translate it as abide, and then you have the others. It's, this is almost as many as these others combined, although I didn't do an exact count, so that may not be completely true. And we, I'd like to go through these, and we're going to hit abide last, and I want to go through the others just to get us shades. I, I would, my perception is that abide sort of encompasses all of these others. And so these give a special focus to some particular aspect of abiding. So beginning with the word continue, we have in uh, John, actually if you would like to for a passage, you can turn to John chapter 15 and you might also hold out 1 John chapter 2. It's interesting that the place where the word abide itself is used most is in those two passages. So in uh, John, actually verse 8, or chapter 8, verse 31, there it is, okay, 831, it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And so here we see the word that was used is continue. It's not abide, it's continue. And as we think about continuing, there is a suggestion here of time as opposed to place, or both would be included, I suppose, but uh, there's a suggestion of some sort of action, if you will, an unbroken succession comes to mind, and words like continuity and continuation also occur to me as opposed to intermittent or interrupted or sporadic. So as we think about abiding in the vine, we're talking, we're thinking in a connection with continuing on in time and possibly in place, depending on where you are, but particularly in the place of the vine and in the time of forever, continuing on. So we can see this and this continuity that we're thinking of. God doesn't want us, he intend, and I don't, I want to say this carefully. It is not God's purpose for us to be flailing about, but we do struggle. And abiding is not something that we do to achieve salvation. It is something that we do to continually hold on to the salvation that we receive. Let me just remind you of a couple of passages by Paul. Paul said in one place, he said, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. 
So there is this idea of intentionality, taking my thoughts captive. He talks about buffeting my body and bringing it under subjection. So there is this idea of a discipline, if you will. It is, where does your mind go? And this will, uh, I think, keep coming up. And so is it continually going back to God's word? Here it says, if you continue in my word. So there is, first of all, this idea that the word itself is significant. I'm continuing with that. Jill and I were talking this morning coming over, and she was talking about how her mind, even though she doesn't intend it, it's continually wandering when she's in prayer. And I, can, I could say the same thing over the last couple of weeks or so. I'd sit down to pray, and the next thing I know, I'm over here with my mind and needing to bring it back. Well, where do you bring it back to? You bring it back to God's Word. Always going back to what has God said and holding on to that. So continuing in that Word. And then we have in... Uh, Let's see, I'm in the right place. Okay, so in 1 John 2.24, this verse is going to come up several times, but let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. In that verse, it, it uses the word minnow three times, and it's translated three different ways. The first time it's abide, then it's remain and then finally continue. And so I'll focus here on the continue. Ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And so we see here Jesus sort of sets forth a stage. He said in the previous word, if you continue, here he says you will continue if you do such and such. And it does pertain to the Word of God and it does pertain to what he has said. So continuing on, but this time it's not continuing in the Word, it's continuing in the Son and it's in the Father. So you're in a place and you're continuing to be in that place, not just simply in time, but continuing in that place. And then in uh, 1 John 2.19, it says, they went out from us. But they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. And, and so we see in this passage in 1 John, John is talking about a group of people who had previously been in the church, but they left. They did not continue with the body of Christ. They went off. And it was manifested they never really were of them. If they had been of them, they would have continued to be identified with the body of Christ, with this particular body. So in that context, there is, you could say, a reduced meaning of it, though we can pull the full meaning into this. But for now, just simply, are you in the church or not? You know, there, are, there are Christians who start off in a sound church, and then they may be persuaded to go into heresy. To, For example, they'll start off here and they'll go into Mormonism or they'll go into Jehovah's Witness or they'll become atheists or, or whatever it may be. There would even be questions about somebody who is in the church 
And then they decide, no, I just don't like the church. I'm not going to go to church. So I'm not going to go anywhere. They're going to be their own authority and their own fellowship. Uh, the scriptures do say he who separates himself seeks his own desire. So we need to be very careful about this as we're thinking about the word abide. And all of these things, again, are intended to bring us back to what is it to abide in the true vine? Uh, the next word we're looking at is dwell. And by the way, I'll just mention briefly, last lesson, I used the word abide a lot, but I just took it for granted that people knew what it meant. And actually, I already knew that I wasn't going to explain it then. And we do have an idea about what abide means, but as we look at how it's used and see what's going on here, the Lord wants us to enter into the full depth of this because not only do we abide in him, but he says he abides in us. And so everything that we might say about ourselves with respect to Christ, we can understand that he's entering into this in the same degree in us or in a greater degree because he does it perfectly. In uh, John chapter 1, verse 38 it says, Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? Jesus had a place that he lived. And they wanted to come and be in the place where he was living now, so it does, this, this word dwell does seem to be particularly attached to where you live. When you live in a place, you eat there, you sleep there, you rest there, particularly if we use this of God in us, but also us in God. So the place where we dwell is our habitation, and it is the place where we well, we dwell. It's the place. You're not just visiting. You're dwelling there. You put your roots down, so to speak. And this is where they wanted to know, where are you dwelling? Now, literally, they were asking him, where's your house? But we can go beyond that and we can say, where are you dwelling, Jesus? Where is Jesus dwelling? He's always dwelling in the heart of his Father. He's indwelling in the kingdom. And so, where are you dwelling, Jesus? That's where I want to be. So they, we can come to that place as well. It says in uh, John 1.39, the next verse, He saith unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. So again, we see both to these two interpretations, dwelling and abiding, abode. We're not going to focus on the second one yet, but they came and saw. Do you know where Jesus is dwelling? Well, go look at where he's dwelling. And where can you look to see where he's dwelling? Well, we have the scriptures to show us who Jesus is and where he's dwelling. When he came to the earth, it says he had nowhere to lay his head. He didn't have a resting place. Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head, he said of himself. And yet he was dwelling always in the presence of his Father. Going back to Psalm 19, he was dwelling in the secret place 
of the Most High. So come see what that dwelling place looks like, and you can see that with me. Notice they, had to, they couldn't get there by themselves, per se. They had to go with him. But they could go with him, and they could see. And the Lord wants to show us where he's dwelling. In John 6:56, He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. How can you come to dwell in Jesus? Well, are you eating his flesh and drinking his blood? We won't go into the full explanation of that today, but obviously that's a very intimate thing, intimate relationship with the Lord if you're eating and drinking. And so your dwelling place is a place, as I mentioned, where you eat and where you drink, and what you're eating and drinking is Jesus. You're simply partaking of him. When you partake of the word of God, are you partaking of just a set of principles, or are you partaking of his flesh and his blood as you feed on the Word of God? In uh, John 14.10, he said, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the work. So not only is Jesus dwelling in the Father, but his Father dwells in him. And so if we are dwelling in Christ, well, Jesus said it this way in his prayer. He says, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. So coming to this place is not simply just coming into Jesus as wonderful as that is, but it's not just the man Christ Jesus we're thinking about. We're thinking about God. We're, Jesus said this, what, No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So if we are in Christ, we are in the Father. We have pictures of that. Jesus says, I'm holding you in my hand and my and." You're in my Father's hand, and no one can take you out of his hand. So it's the idea of in Christ who's in God, and we're kept securely there. But are you dwelling there? So you could be there, but are you dwelling there? That's kind of the question we're dealing with. So it's more than just, okay, I'm physically here. It's I'm taking everything that I need with me in this place and being, being here. Enduring. So these three passages, John 6, 27, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. So we see in this idea of enduring, it is a continuation. It seems to amplify the idea of continuing, though. It introduces the idea of standing against corroding or opposing forces. When we think about meat enduring, you think about 
rotten meat, the possibility of the meat rotting, being decayed, being attacked by uh, flies and such, and, and rotting through those processes. But this is a meat that endures. It continues against corroding or opposing forces. Hardship could be implied in this, that there are, is also an element of Excuse me, there is also a time element built into this, as with continue. So the focus on what endures is that which is outside of us. So I say that because we'll see that. Here we're talking about the meat that endures. And then in uh, 1 Peter 1.25 says, The word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. So the meat, the word of the Lord, and then in Hebrews 10.34, For ye had compassion on me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. So the word was translated as endure when it was focused on things that were outside of us, but it's built into the meaning of abide. But here we have a picture of those things that we can be aware of and focused on in our in abiding. So again, we come back to the meat that endures. Well, Christ said, I'm your meat. Eat my flesh. I am meat indeed, he says. So me... And then we have the word of the Lord endureth forever. So we have the word which endures, and then we have an enduring, uh, we have a hope, no, let's see, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. So there's something outside of us that we are fixed upon, something that is unshakable. You and yourself will recognize you're not very enduring. But you can be fixed on something that does endure and have complete confidence in its enduring keeps you. Its enduring is keeping you. It may be something you have ready access to, or it may be something that is going to be in the future, saying, knowing you have in heaven. So we're looking about something that seems to be away, seems to be distanced, and yet we have access to it. How? We have access to it by faith and in hope. You know, the foundation of all hope is faith. You know, in the world, I've kind of, you know, the pastor made a good point about this, that the word we use is wish, but there is a sense in which our, we have a hope based on a faith, but it's a faith rooted in probabilities. So the difference between our hope and the world's hope is the probability of our faith being true is 100%. We have 100% confidence in our faith, in the faith that we're dealing with. Where if you're on a desert island, you might say, well, I have the hope that somebody will come. Well, what's the probability that that'll happen? Eh, probably less than 1%. So, but there's my hope. My hope is resting on 1% possibility, okay? Or maybe even less. I have the hope that one day I will become a unicorn. Okay, well, what's the likelihood of that? Well, 0% chance. But I have this hope rooted in something that has no foundation is all. So that's, I think that is what people mean when they say I have hope. 
You know, where there's life, there's hope. But again, rooted in probabilities. And so then it really does just become wishful thinking because there's no confidence that it could be true. Even the pastor's example about, I know when I get home, I'm going to have that lasagna that my wife has made. Well, there is a finite probability that that will be true, but there's also a possibility that it won't happen for one reason or another. So our hope is rooted in a 100% reliable faith and confidence. And that's why uh, we can have confidence that this is enduring, that there's no chance it can fail. Another word that we see used is trans is remain. And by the way, I'll just make the comment that I think that the King James translators had a pretty good handle on the English language. And so when they used particular words to translate the word minnow, they had a pretty good understanding of why they picked that particular word and what it was they were wanting to draw to our attention. So when you have one verse that translates the same word three different ways, they had a purpose in doing that. And I would say, most of all, it was to strengthen us, to strengthen us in our understanding and our hope. One of the things, this is sort of an aside, but uh, I was thinking about it this morning. I, since I've been retired, I've been uh, trying to learn some foreign languages. They're foreign to me. And one thing I've begun to appreciate is that as you hear words being used, in different ways in this language, you begin to develop kind of an intuitive understanding of what is being talked about in that. And so taking that to the scriptures, as you read through the scriptures, you're seeing words being used in different ways. And the more you read through it, the more and have some sense of what the actual statement means. Not an in-depth study necessarily, though you can do a study sort of like what we're doing now, but just reading through and seeing how it's used, you begin to develop an intuition about what this word is actually seeking to convey. Um, the pastor has done this uh, quite often. He's done it with uh, the word hope, and he's done it, uh, what was the other word? I don't know. There was another one that particularly stood out, but now it's... Oh, well, tell, us. tell us. Yeah, tell us, of course. Yeah, that was it. So, so every time he sees that word in the scripture, or when he sees an English word, he will say, I bet the word behind that is this, because he begins to build this intuition about what's actually being referred to. And so as you are reading through the scripture, you may not have a Greek understanding, but you can begin to see how words are used in the different ways and develop a and understanding in that way. So I'm saying all of that to say it would be very profitable, really, to spend time going through, if, if only a large passage, if not the entire Bible, going through that repeatedly. Uh, the pastor, again, has said he's been going through the book of Proverbs now a lot. And in doing that over and over, he begins to see these connections about how these things are relating to one another and how these things all tie together. So I would encourage you to make that kind of a habit yourself. I, I really had not given it that kind of thought until recently, and so I'm saying this to myself as well. It would be beneficial to be reading some things over and over in order that you can see 
what, how these things relate to one another. But hopefully it won't just be on the surface and, ah, okay, I see that intellectually, that these things will be the meat that you're eating and you're taking hold of. Well, we're going to look now at remain. So further relating to place and also time, the place is fixed. The time is for a specified duration. Fixedness comes most strongly to mind and relates to us remaining, but also to some other things. I don't know what I meant by that last statement there, so I should have just left it off. Sorry about that. But let's read these verses now. In Matthew eleven twenty three, And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. It would have remained fixed. If they had seen and believed, they would have continued to this very day. And that's, that's Jesus' words about Sodom. So how... Hopeless was Sodom's state. Well, if they had seen and believed the things that you're seeing and believing, or you're not seeing and believing but should, then they would have actually remained to this very day. But Sodom, you will have a hard time finding it. There are some archaeologists who think they know where it is. Uh, There's some dispute here or here or here. One place seems to be particularly well accepted as the location. But you don't, you don't find a city. It's just absolute ruins, and nothing's ever been built on that place. In Luke 10, 7, And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. So in that passage, Jesus is talking to his disciples, telling them about their going out. And he's saying, when you go to a city, don't just be flitting about from one place to another. Take lodging and remain there throughout the entire thing. Now, in another passage, it says to do that with those, someone who is worthy. But remain there. Stay, say, don't, don't. Today I'm going to be with you, and tomorrow I'm going to go over there, and tomorrow I'm going to go over there. This idea of flitting about. No, remain remain. And again, we're thinking about this in the larger picture, abiding. Remain where you are until the time comes when it's appropriate to leave that place and your work is done. Well, we'll never reach that time with Christ and the gospel. We will remain there forever. In um, Hebrews twelve twenty-seven, and this word Yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Now we would see that they're also enduring, because if a shaking is going on, they're going to endure. But the idea here is they're going to remain in place. They're fixed. It's not something that's going to be temporary. It's going to, you know, something, for example... Suppose you had a house, and this house uh, is un- undergoes an earth, or let's say a violent wind. A violent wind comes to this house, and the house gets shifted over to here. It's no longer remaining. The house is intact, but it's not remaining. It's not where it was. And we're looking at not just surviving, but 
being in the same place. Being in the same place. So you can't be shaken out of Christ. That's the wonderful thing. You can't be shaken out of Christ. You can remain, but there are things in your life that are not to remain. They are to to go away. In 1 John 2.24 again, let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. Are you allowing what you've heard to remain in you? This isn't exactly about your remaining, but if this doesn't remain, you won't remain. So the things that you've heard, what have you heard? Have you heard God? Jesus, God says, today if you will hear my voice, don't harden your heart. And what's his voice going to give to you? It's going to give you his word. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Are they remaining in you? Or are you simply, oh yeah, I remember that verse as a child and it's pleasant to think about but it really doesn't remain in my thoughts. Again, this goes back to this idea of struggling to take control of your mind in these situations. Go back to the words that God has spoken to you. Let them remain in your mind. There's this sign that Jill has, or she puts it on paper, written out in calligraphy. It looks really nice. But it says, don't doubt in the darkness what you've seen in the light. Go back when you're in a situation and you seem to be overwhelmed, don't think that what you've seen in the light has gone away. No, let it remain in you. The next word we have is stand, and in Romans 9.11, this is the only place that it's translated this way, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. God's purpose, again, we have this idea of enduring. It's a victorious over all opposition, unafraid and unconquerable. It pertains to God's purpose standing. God's purpose is standing When we look at the world in, in disarray all around us, things may seem really doubtful, but God's purpose from the very beginning, it's standing. Now, yesterday we were in the book of Ecclesiastes, and in that passage it was highlighting the fact that men, no matter how smart they are, when they look out into the world to try to figure out what's going on, They cannot know what God is doing because everything seems to be random. You say, well, the good good people are blessed and the evil people are cursed. Oh, well, what about this person over here who really seems to be good, but their house has been destroyed, and yet this wicked man over here seems to be prospering. So you can look around, and, and so somebody who wants to throw God out of the picture, like Richard Dawkins, for example, comes to mind famously, said, I was so liberated once I realized there was no God and he could take control of his own life and he could say it is all random, doesn't really make any sense at all, being such a wise man that he is. And uh, that was his conclusion. 
very flawed conclusion, a very foolish conclusion, to say the, the very least. But God does have a purpose, and what he purposed from the beginning is going to be accomplished, completely, fully accomplished. So when we get to the end and we see it, we're not going to say, oh, that's so nice, but if only you could have done this. There won't be any defect in what he has purposed. It is, his purpose is going to stand. And then finally, well, I say finally, before we go to abide, and we may run out of time before we do, but the, the idea tarry. So in Matthew 26, 38, then saith he unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. So I want to suggest these, this idea. There's an idea here of delaying what one is otherwise committed to doing or desirous of doing. We would tarry with Christ, delaying leaving him forever, though our other purpose would be to indulge ourselves. Our tarrying to remain with Christ might ultimately be overcome to be permanently fixed in our hearts to be with him in every way, particularly used of temporary situations. And so we're going to go through several examples here. And the idea of tarry has the idea of delay. And we'll, we'll have some more con comments about this. So are we to tarry with Christ, I guess would be the, the uh, thought that I'm raising. And ultimately, no, we're not called to. Did, he didn't say tarry with me. He said abide with me. But he did say tarry with me because he used the word minnow. And so that's in there. And so we want to have some understanding of what it may or may not mean for us. So in Matthew 26, uh, excuse me, in uh, Luke 24, 29, but they constrained him saying, abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. So this is Jesus walking on the road with the disciples after his crucifixion and resurrection. And they're talking to him and he's talking to them about how it was necessary for Jesus, for the Christ to be crucified and to rise from the dead. And so it's gotten to be late and they're close to home and they say, would you come stay with us? Now, he wasn't traveling with them originally. He just sort of was there. And so he tarried with them. He delayed where he was going in order to remain with them for a while, but just for a limited amount of time. He delayed his, his purpose, if you will. Uh, in John 4.40, so when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. Again, tarry and abide are in that as they were in the previous one. They said, abide with us, and he tarried with them. And this one, they besought him to tarry, and he abode with them. So they wanted to delay him. But there's an idea, I think, behind Terry that we can think about, okay, I'm, I'm going to stop here for a little bit, but then after time I'm going to go on. So in my mind it's temporary, but Jesus abode with them. So he went beyond just the, I'm going to stop for a little while. Not time-wise, but in heart, he was there. He was there with them. Jesus chose to abide with them.
Now, in the other example, he, they asked him to abide and he only tarried, which is an interesting thought. It's, again, it's the same word, but the emphasis is a little bit different. You don't need me to be living here. You don't really know who I am right this minute, but I seem to be good to you. But you don't need me in an unknown way where what you really need is who I am. And right now, all I am is somebody who seems to maybe have some words that can comfort you, but that's not the person that you need to have here. So I'm only going to tarry with you, but I'm going to come back later and I'm going to be abiding with you, if you will. In uh, Acts 25, it says, These going before tarried for us at... I'm sorry, I don't want that verse. Um, in 2015, And we sailed thence and came the next day over against Chios, and the next day we arrived at Samos and tarried at some place, and the next day we came to Miletus. I guess I did actually want those two verses. The idea was just impermanent. I was thinking that this was referring to something else, but just an impermanent thing. We delayed. We came here, we stopped for some reason. Good reason, but it's not the final purpose. So we're delaying. It's all right to be here. It's fine, but it's not where we want to end up. We're going to go on. So that's a lesser meaning, if you will, for this word abide. All right, well, our time is gone, and what we want to do is to kind of bring this, this look uh, to sort of completion by going back through some verses about abiding and pull these ideas together. All of these things are suggested when we read the word abide. And so having those things in mind, I hope that will be helpful for you. Um, so we'll finish it next time. We only have about 50 verses to go through in abiding. And um, we'll be done. Thank you for taking time to listen. If you have any questions, you can reach us at thegoalislove.org. If you would like to hear more of God's Word, we would love for you to subscribe. We hope you have a wonderful day. God bless.